1: Welcome back to the Official Unofficial Podcast. We are joined by a longtime friend of the show, World Series champ, biggest nuts in North America, Tyler Matzik. What's up, brother? How are we doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for the, the bring in.
1: Well, I had to, man. You're World Series champ now, so that's something you get to say, obviously, for the rest of your life and all that type of stuff. So you're buzzing. I see here you have a little, a little concoction on your arm now. How hard is it to walk around with that stuff post-TJ? Yeah,
0: uh, this thing sucks, honestly. Um, you know, the pain hasn't been too bad, but... Just getting used to having uh, this contraption on my arms. can has been a little difficult, but you know it's part of it. It's part of the game, and um, yeah, I wouldn't change it. Wouldn't change it if I had to. Yeah, and
1: I because I'm such a good friend of yours, I actually googled stuff to do uh, while recovering from Tommy John. So I just have a couple things here for you. So this is some lifestyle changes you have to make. Um, get enough sleep. Turn your phone off. Maintain proper hydration. Get the advice of a registered dietitian try a hyper ice unit have you done any of those things
0: <laughs> uh the hyper ice unit yes everything else no <laughs> um <laughs> i sleep pretty good so i guess i've done sleep and i've gotten the hyper ice but the diet thing i mean i'm pretty fat i'm gonna try not to be as fat but uh yeah you know is what it is
1: Well, okay and just speaking about that so i have some exercises here for you to do um <laughs> while going through tommy john um Toe walks, which is walk on your toes forward and backwards for 20 yards. That just sounds like fucking hell. I would never do that. Um, heel walks, monster walks, X band walks, hip up, hip up, out down walks. These things sound like fucking nightmares. Are is that was it was any of these things recommended to you by the doctor or what? What do the doctor recommend you do to stay in uh sh- stay, in, stay in game shape?
0: Well, I got a year to be, to get into shape before I'm actually back on a mound. So uh, I think the first part is just relaxing and uh, let this thing heal up. I've been doing some exercises to straighten it. I mean, what the craziest part is like, I had my surgery eight days ago and like we've already gotten, if you watch this, like we've already gotten to where we're extending this elbow and I just got this thing cut open eight days ago. So it's a process of getting this thing back right. But those exercises, walking and shit, like. I don't know what the hell the, a toe walk is going to do for me, but I'm not going to do it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't do it <laughs> either. I wouldn't recommend it. It's kind of dumb. But And speaking about your arm and all that type of stuff, I mean, how fucking hard is it now for you to, like, be able to, like – because obviously in spring training you're going to be going to the spring training facility and seeing all the guys and shit like that. How Have you thought about how hard that's going to be for you to not to be able to, like – even if your arm feels good to, like, pick up a baseball and throw it? Like, that has to be one of the hardest things, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's that's – That is going to be the tough part. You know, the only saving grace is that I had it early in the soft season so that by, you know, right around spring training, I'm going to be a few weeks to maybe a month away from uh, actually getting to the baseball and throwing a baseball. So, you know, I have something to look forward to while those guys are ramping up and getting ready for their season. Um, You know, it is what it is. It's part of the process.
1: And obviously, like going into this year, obviously there's been instances where I was watching you pitch, and there was like some moments where I'm like, "This isn't fucking sick. Like, just I don't know if it was like the lack of sometimes like the lack of control, or just like not seeing like you on the mound as confident as you always were the year before, and stuff like that. Did you always know this year that there was something fucking wrong with you? Like, did you know like maybe I know this is like not mental or whatever. This is something seriously wrong with my arm.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the beginning of the year it was my back. My back was the biggest issue. Right before spring training, I was doing a squat and I just lost my balance and messed my back up, tried to pitch through it and it just got really bad, you know, and it started leading to my shoulder hurting, started leading to my elbow hurting. And, um, yeah, so we just shut down more for my spine than anything. Got an epidural shot in there, you know, to kind of calm down the aerial area. Um, and that was my first rehab stint that I've had, you know, in, in the big league. So, um, you know, I had to step away, take some time there. Came back, felt good. Velo was starting to build back up. Um, you know, when I was coming back off the rehab assignment, I was throwing five, six, and then my forearm started hurting a little bit right when I got back. Um, and I was just like, "Oh, this must be like a little flexor thing, not that big a deal." Kept throwing on it. Velo just kept crawling down. It was going the wrong direction, and I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, whatever. Whenever I've been bad, it's never been because I don't have velo or like anything like yeah. that. It's just like." Usually when I throw it, I either throw a strike or I throw it to the backstop. That's my biggest issue. It's not, you know, was that 91 or was that 95? So I knew it was wrong when I was like giving it everything I got. And it's like 93, 94 coming out. And I'm like, okay, now there's something physically wrong because I've never had this problem in my entire life. Um, I told the doc, hey, let's start the the trainer. said, hey, can we get an image on this thing? And they said, yeah, you got a 50% tear in your UCL. And that's the reason why you've been
1: uh,
0: losing VLO. So you know, it's just how, it's how the game goes as part of it. Um, you know, it wasn't there three months ago or three months, you know, before they told me that. And um, it, it just popped up there in the last uh, two or three months.
1: Is there, and I know this is a crazy question, but is there a moment where you kind of realized or knew that, all right, this might be Tommy John or this is something wrong with the UCL? Like do you, is there one specific game where you just didn't have it? Like you weren't touching 92, 93, where it's like, all right, this there's something that has to be fucking wrong with this thing
0: yeah i thought it was just my flexor tendon honestly like i was going i was able to throw the ball and it didn't hurt terribly when i was throwing the ball you know like when you play 162 games and you're pitching as much as we do it every something hurts all the time you know it's like you're out there in pain it's just who can manage the pain um, so i had a little bit of pain but it wasn't like oh my gosh there's there's something broken there's something wrong which makes sense why it was only 50% torn. It was like, yeah, there's something wrong, but it's not completely broken, which makes sense why it felt like that. Yeah. But I was able to still throw. It just wasn't 100% myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was the last day in Miami. I was literally just like, dude, I, I, going into this offseason, I got to know that there's, something's right or something's wrong before, you know, playoffs, before this hard push. And um, I was like, I'm going to give it and throw it as hard as I possibly can. And that was like 93, 94. Wow. Like, okay, there's something There's something wrong. So, yeah.
1: It's just crazy, the game of baseball, like, how much, like, one little thing. Because last year, I'm pretty sure in the playoffs, you were fucking hitting, like, 97, 98, like, consistently, like, painting corners and stuff like that. And a year difference, obviously, like, your arm, it just fucking gave out on you before the playoff run. Like, how hard was that like... When you heard the words like this is going to have to result in Tommy John like how did, what was running through your head like were you like oh <laughs> fuck me like another obstacle i have to overcome or was it like a little bit sense of relief that it wasn't you that was not like pitching to your full extent like there was something actually wrong with you
0: Yeah it was it was more the second you know more the latter it was more uh okay this explains a lot as to why you know my control hasn't been there my velo hasn't been there this makes a lot of sense like before I was just like, wow, maybe I'm just not good anymore and I don't have it. Maybe I was a, you know, one hit wonder, yeah. you know, 15 minutes of fame kind of guy. But, you know, after seeing, you know, and, and experiencing what's going on with my arm, I'm like, okay, like, this is a very, you know, this is exactly what's going on. This is what, you know, everybody else has had or a lot of people have had before. This makes sense. So it was kind of like a, a mental relief. Um and I knew that, all right, well, the hard physical pain starts, but the mental side, you know, I can kind of take a step back from the mental side and be like, all right, well, this, it wasn't just me. It was a physical error. Something was physically wrong with me.
1: Yeah. it just, it, and going into the surgery and stuff like that, obviously it's eight days ago. What was the pain like of the surgery? Cause I think Tyler Glasnow on the pod said like a couple of months after it, he just like, all right, I want to start fucking throwing now. Like I feel perfectly fine now, but the pain from the actual surgery was kind of hard. What was it like for you?
0: Uh, the pain? I mean, it's it's not great. It sucks, but uh, it's not the worst thing. I think the worst thing is when they start stretching it. Like, we've been stri- doing stretching exercises the last two days. Uh, that's a lot of pain. You know, that it does not feel good. It's just you're stretching stuff that's starting to scar up and you're cracking that scar tissue and stuff. So, uh, I'm early on into it. I'm sure it's going to get worse, but yeah, it's, I mean anybody cuts your body open and you're trying to move it around eight days after that, it's not going to feel good.
1: I can genuinely say this and not to humble brag it. I've never had surgery before. Maybe because I'm just like, I, I don't know if I'm the most like, uh, flexible dude on the planet. I used to be a humble brag. I used to be able to do the splits at first base, even when it was unnecessary. And there was no reasoning for me to split when the guy wasn't even down the baseline, but oh. I've never had surgery before. Actually the worst injury I ever had. And I've told us in the podcast is I tried to fire my team up before in and out. And I screamed, let's fucking go, and ran to first base, which is what, like 10 feet away from us. And I just snapped my ankle. Um, that's the only in- injury that I've ever had on a baseball field was running to In N Out and snapping my ankle, and my coach being like, What the fuck is wrong with this guy? It was in the fall, too. So it meant like this game meant nothing to anything. And I tried to fire the boys up. So actually, yeah, I- I've been injured out there in battle, but it is crazy to me, dude, that like um that it's we're so early into it, but what's the recovery like for you though like did they say you can start i know you said something about throwing but when's like the actual expected like circle on the calendar date you could start throwing
0: i don't know the exact day they usually go by weeks but uh it you know but it's going to be exactly six months is the exact day you start throwing six months from your surgery um so i think that puts it in like i said march Seventh, I think, is what it is, or eleventh or something. Yeah, wow, so that's right actually, around there.
1: that's right around spring trade. So you're chilling. I mean, you picked it. Obviously, it's never a good time to have surgery, but that's a fucking. I mean, you picked yeah. a good time to get like to get surgery, man. Especially if you imagine if you would have did this in like February, that would be terrible.
0: Yeah. yeah. See, that was like kind of the option too. The option was also like, hey, let's do, let's try and rehab this thing. Blah blah blah. After talking to doctors, I'm like, hey, what's the chances of thing snaps in the next two years? And he's like, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on it snapping within the next two years. And I said, OK, well, then why don't we just get it fixed right now? We'll have a super arm, you know, 50 percent original UCL. And then we're going to have the UCL and then we're going to have the internal brace. It's going to be triple bound inside of there. Like, let's get this thing ready for, you know, the second half of my career. And he's like, you know, I can't argue with that. Let's do it. So. Yeah, you know it, it's unfortunate that I had to I have to have this done. Uh, I had to have this done, but like you said, the timing of it is probably the best timing I could possibly have, given the situation the circumstances that I'm in.
1: Well, being per- being selfish here, the Atlanta Braves come to Toronto next year. So how how are we going to do that? Like, are you going to travel with the boys and come see me, or like how are we how are we going to finesse our way around this? Like, how, when, how when, is when is it? When is it? I let me look it up because I know they do come to Toronto because I remember texting you about it, all fired up. Um, Blue Jays twenty twenty three. I know it's uh, I know the Padres come here. I've planned it out with all the boys, like me and Musgrove planned it out. It's in May. You guys come to Toronto in May.
0: Oof. Let me see. I might be able to squeeze on there.
1: You might. I think have we to. get
0: on our rehab trips. We get we get to pick one or two uh, trips that we're allowed to go on as a rehab. Really. Player. I might be able to sneak onto that plane.
1: That's great. Cr- you only get to pick two.
0: Yeah. We're usually, they want us to, you know, stay home. We have a whole rehab program uh, at our home stadium and everything like that. It's just easier for the personnel, uh, fewer personnel to fly. Um, and so what, you know, to break up the monotony of it, they'll give the rehab guys, um, you know, like two road trips that they're allowed to go on. And so, you know, usually guys pick the ones, go down to Miami. It's like a vacation when you go down there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, just cause they have a nice resort out on this Island. Um, but, hey, maybe I'll pick Toronto.
1: You know? have to pick Toronto. You've never been, right? Go get some poutine with the boy, huh? Yeah, exactly. Go get some poutine, some Molson Canadian, have a good time. I mean, it is crazy because it is cool also because next year, like in MLB, everyone faces each other. Like there's no yeah. division stuff and all that type of stuff. So that is cool. What are a couple other teams that you haven't got to uh, visit in the you like to play against? Have you played at Yankee uh, Stadium?
0: I have played the Yankee Stadium. We played there twice because in 2020 and 21 we played the NL, the AL East. Uh, uh, I'm missing, I'm missing a decent number of the Central, um, so like both Guardians. AL and NL. Yeah, so Guardians. I played it at Tiger Stadium. Um, missing the White Sox. What else we got there? Missing some of the NL too. I have missing Kansas City. Um, is there any NL? You know, I might have gone to all the
1: NL ones. Yeah, you definitely went to all the NL. It's the, like, yeah. You haven't been to Kansas City, Twins, Guardians, White Sox, and then you said you've been to the Tigers. That is – that's going to be sick. I mean, that's going to be yeah. unreal. So, with the two road trips, like, so did Luke just get fucking unlimited visits? Because I always see this guy in the dugout. I mean, this guy's in the dugout every single Braves game I watch this year, pretty much. Like, Oh, that he-
0: was at home. That was at home, and then he would – Lucas is i mean sometimes he would just randomly show up at games you know he'd be like hey i'm going to i'm going to new york and we're like why are you going to new york he's like ah, i got a i got a uh he missed the voice crypto, cryptocurrency convention i'm gonna be at <laughs> and i figure i'd stop by and i'm like bro you're not a crypto tra- trader man you're a baseball player what are you talking about he's like no no i, I know people i know people so i'm uh I'm gonna to go to this convention, we're gonna talk NFTs and all this stuff, and then he just show up at the game sometime. You're like, I'm I you doing i like, could not be
1: more out on NFTs. That's why I was hoping he would uh because he was supposed to be on this podcast and I was gonna give it to him. There isn't a bigger scam in North America than NFTs. That like that's highway robbery-esque type of shit. And I wanted to get his angle, I think it's the biggest robbery bullshit of all time. I like cold hard cash, and I don't know if you saw this, like Logan Paul bought an NFT for six hundred and fifty thousand, it's now worth ten thousand dollars. Like, that yeah. just – I mean, you might as well just fucking sports gamble. I mean, that's just – that makes way more sense than that. So, it is well, crazy to
0: me. True true and not true because the one person that got it, that sold it to Logan Paul for 650 k made, you know, 650 k or whatever yeah, that he true. made. So, whenever there's a loser, there's a winner. So, you just got to yeah, be smart than that the works. person next to you. I don't yeah, know how that works. It's like, you know, it's – I think the NFTs are going to be good in their – there's, like, utility NFTs. So, say Major League Baseball, to, to combat – StubHub and places like this, Major League Baseball can go ahead and sell a ticket at ticket asking price, and when with an NFT or as an NFT, and then it can go to the secondary market. When it goes to the secondary market, the Major League Baseball, aka the players and the owners, will get a percentage of that secondary sale. And get a set, and then the third, the, the third sale, the fourth sale of that ticket, whatever it is, they're going to earn a percentage of it. So as the StubHub sells their tickets at a higher price, the owners at Major League Baseball and players will actually get a little bit of that money instead of StubHub taking all that money, uh, or a company like StubHub taking all that money, um, you know, in the secondary market. Uh, Same thing with Jordan Jordans and stuff like that. So like Nike will start selling their Jordans with an NFT certification. Yeah. That way, when Nike sells theirs at 150 bucks, and the and the secondary market settlement a thousand bucks, Nike's making an extra 100 dollars because they're taking ten percent. So there's some something that NFTs will be good at. The digital art, where it's like, hey, what makes it valuable? Oh, the code that's in the back of it that simply just doesn't make
1: sense to me. it, doesn't, yeah. it,
0: it just doesn't add
1: up. I'm out on it. I'm out on it. I'm anti NFT guy from until the, the day I fucking die. And going into, I mean. Going into the uh, like the Ticketmaster and all that type of stuff, I actually had a feud with Ticketmaster, and I was on national TV about it. Um, I don't wow. Know if you saw. I
0: dive into this. I-, I saw a little bit. I saw you Yeah, out, like, so what happened money.
1: was, so the Blue Jays sold playoff tickets, and obviously I'm the biggest Blue Jays guy in Canada. Everyone knows that. And I bought tickets using this pre-sale code that was designated for workers, I guess. I don't know. One of my listeners sent me this code and said, you can use this if you want to get the tickets earlier. So I use it, and the Blue Jays, the code, like, you know, the whole slogan for the Jays is next level. That was the code for the fucking pre-sale tickets, their slogan that they they attached to every single tweet. Like a five-year-old could have did that. So I bought the tickets to the playoffs, and I got an email, like, your tickets have been voided, and you won't get your money for, I don't know what it was. It was a crazy amount of time. So, like, it was, like, up to 30 days. So I was like, what the fuck is this shit? So I, I made a TikTok about it. it had like 150,000 views, humble brag. And, a, a, and a, a TV company reached out to me and they're like, "Do you want to come on the news and talk about this? And I was like, whoa. Um, and yeah, so I just, I put, t- I body bag Ticketmaster on the news. And then the two weeks later, I had a, so the Jays lost game one. I made a TikTok about that as well. And then like a bigger news station reached out to me to come on the news again and talk about the Blue Jays. And the funnier part about that is was they were like they said to me like 80 times, do not swear. Like they know, like they've seen all my stuff. They're like, This is this is live TV, Johnny. Like, do not swear on this. Like they they called me like eight times, stretching out, stressing out. Like I was like, All right, I won't fucking swear. Like, I, I understand I won't swear. You said it eight times that I won't swear. Like I understand this, but yeah, it's just been crazy. And going into that, how hard is it for you guys not to swear when you're doing interviews? I saw um, Manny Machado just dropping f bombs on Fox the other day, like it was nothing, which is I respect the hell out of it. How hard is it for you guys not to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, we get into locker room uh, talk mode where there's f bombs being thrown all over the locker room, just like how it how it goes. So yeah. when the reporters walk in, you got to like kind of flip that switch. Um, but you just kind of get used to it, and you understand that you know when you say some stuff like that, yeah, you're going to get in trouble. But you can also use it. I mean. I don't know what Manny did, but you can also do it, use it to get some people's attention. You look at like what Jock did last year. You know, we are those mother effers, you know, it, it got some people's attention. And I mean, you can get a, you can, you can push a message by throwing a little F bomb in here or there. So I'm sure that's what Manny was trying to do.
1: But how, like, how does that work? Do you guys get in trouble for that? Like does the management or ownership say like, dude, what what are you doing? Or how does that work?
0: uh i mean obviously they're not gonna like it we have our pr guys we're like hey man come on <laughs> but i mean in the in the end you're representing yourself you are representing the team on the front as well um but you know it, it you're not supposed to and you shouldn't you know you should be able to convey your message without having to throw an f-bomb or two in there but um yeah sometimes I mean, we're just we're we're a bunch of men inside of a locker room and that's just kind of how the way the way it talks you know the way yeah. people talk in there so it's nothing uh Nothing that hasn't been done before. There's just a heck of a lot more cameras around nowadays.
1: And this is completely off topic, but do you see a lot of similarities in this Phillies team right now than what you guys were last year? Like that kind of dark horse, under 90 wins. Everyone's getting hot. Like Bryce Harper is on the loose. Reese Hoskins is hitting nukes. Like, do you see a lot of similarities in that? those two teams?
0: Yeah, those boys are hot, you know. Um, you know, it, it kind of shows you, like, what the NL East is all about. Like, it's a monster, man. Uh, You got 200 plus win teams. And what I think is one of the strongest teams in the playoffs, you know, in the Phillies are are still making a push at it. So, yeah, I think they got that that mojo. They got that swagger. They got that confidence. They're feeling good. um, And and that's really what pushes you through the playoffs because it's it's grind mode at that point, man. And you got to have some swagger. You got to have some some grit to, to get through it. And that's what they're doing.
1: It yeah, I mean that team is they're just on the loose right now. But I, one thing that so I made a I made uh, speaking about TikTok, so I made a TikTok the other day and I said, um, this excuse that the playoff format is broken, all that type of stuff is fucking bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. It's just a stupid logic that Dodgers fans and obviously some Braves fans are in the comment section making arguments for it. Where do you stand on that? Do you think this playoff format was the reason? Like, I mean, you guys just caught got caught into a hot team, obviously. Where do you stand with that whole playoff format's broken argument? Um, I don't think that it's
0: broken. I think that it uh, I think that a, a hot team can come into a series, but you can also make the same argument that we got plenty of rest. and you know, um, five days is a good number good amount of rest, and it helped our pitchers a ton. But I think it hurt our hitters and that they weren't able to see uh, you know quite you know, game active live pitching. You know, you can throw sim games all you want, but it's just not the exact, it's not the same. Um, you know, that being said, I think that the the, the time off probably outweighs the, the lack of seeing live pitching or the lack of being in a real game. You know, we played 162 games up to that point. You know how to play baseball with the crowd there. You know, you're not going to forget that in five days. Um, you know, but I think just the hot, the hotter team came in and, and, you know, those guys are playing out of world out of the world right now. You know, that bullpen out there has been uh, unworldly, they're dominating. You got guys who are um, you know, just good pitchers are great now and they're doing their thing. And that's the beauty about, you know, playoff baseball is that one or two guys can step up and change the a team from being, you know, third in the division to being who I think are that like good front runner in the in the month of October.
1: Do you sometimes look back at what you did last year and just kind of still get chills from that, or do you just not watch that? Because honestly, man, I obviously do because I'm a big Tyler Matzik guy, as you know. I just still find it absolutely crazy. I rewatched the the like the full inning of you coming in against the Dodgers with Luke on the bench and stuff like that, and I I just I still can't even believe that that shit happened. Like, was that? Do you have you gotten that chance to like look back on that and be like, that was fucking star shit?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I had. I've gone back and watched it. Um, You know, it'll pop up, like, in my Twitter feed. Like, somebody will tag me or something every once in a while, and I'll I'll sit there and watch it because, um, you know, for every time I watch that in my mind or in reality, I've had 10, 20, 30 times where I've failed, you know. Uh, So, you know, watching the successful parts as often or more, it it balances out those negative times that you you fail because it's what baseball is. It's a game of failure, man. So um yeah i take the time to appreciate what i was able to do and, and i also use it as fuel to go hey man this is what i want to continue to do let's get back out there let's get through this rehab process and get back out there to doing that because that's that's the kind of baseball i want to continue to play
1: and uh do you still like do you have to pay for drinks in atlanta now like are, are you is it hard for you to walk around in atlanta like are you noticed like a significant amount now
0: man i put a ball cap on put my head down and kind of kind of keep uh keep quiet go sit in the corner booth kind of thing um i've had some people recognize me which has been a little weird um you know just i'm not used to it kind of thing you know it's not like a not like a quote-unquote superstar player like that's in the league but uh every once in a while somebody come up and just say like hey man thank you so much for what you did and i'm like dude i was just doing my job i appreciate that (laughs) yeah no problem but i was going out there uh whether uh whether you wanted me or not, I was going to go out there and try and do my best. So I'm just glad it worked out. But, yeah, I mean, I'm getting recognized a little bit, but not too much.
1: How hard do you think it is for, like, Acuna or, like, Dansby or um Austin Riley? I can't even imagine. These guys probably just never leave their house. And I was saying that about Bo a couple weeks ago and Vladi. Like, how do you enjoy your life when you're so big in a city like that?
0: Yeah, it's tough, man. Like, it's kind of sad freddie had that problem when he was here i mean he was so big that just like he couldn't go anywhere he'd have to like call restaurants to like get a private room kind of thing um dansby was a little bit that way he you know for example like um, me and the wife went and got some ice cream the other day and i saw him him and uh, dansby and his uh, fiance sitting in the car and i'm like knock on the window like what are you guys doing he's like dude we were getting chased by like 12 high schoolers and we just didn't want to deal with it, so we ended up just hopping in the car to eat our ice cream. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. Like, Damn. you can't just you can't just walk around and have a nice evening because you got a horde of people walking and following you. And I was just like, man, that's it's a bit too much. Like, I think as players, when you have like a fan that comes up and says, "Hey, man, thank you for what you do to the city. Thank you for what you you know have done for us on the baseball field. You represent the city. We appreciate it," and then move on or take a quick picture, maybe a quick autograph. Players have no problem doing that. We appreciate that. But when you start, like, following around and you want 30 minutes, it's a little tough, you know. If you give 30 minutes to every single person, you don't have time to be, your per- be yourself and, you know, have a nice evening with your wife.
1: It's crazy. And I, I know, like... Atlanta is not like the pinnacle of like sports towns and stuff like that. Like I couldn't even imagine what it's like for a guy that plays in like New York, like Aaron judge or or Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Or like fucking when Manny or David Ortiz was there, like at that point you legitimately need just security around you 24 seven. If you want to be able to like actually enjoy yourself and walk around like that's, which is still crazy to me that you have to like surround yourself with security to just like go outside and grab fucking ice cream. It is crazy. But you said with Freddie Freeman, it was absurd. Like he couldn't, he couldn't even, like, go out to, like uh, – I'm assuming he probably couldn't even pump his fucking gas, which is someone not noticing him there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, I don't know about him pumping his gas or not. I don't know that he would be even be pumping his gas. I'm sure he's got something that does that for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that guy probably has not touched the gas pump since COVID. No, just, I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, man. Like, it's he, – he had a tough time. I mean – same thing like when he's he was a superstar you know he's a superstar he still is a superstar but he was the superstar for the braves and um yeah man he gets recognized everywhere the likable guy he's the face of the franchise or was the face of the franchise so i mean everywhere he went in atlanta you know people people knew about him
1: i gotta ask you so listen i need a possibility on this i'm the biggest alex anthopolis guy of all time like how well do you know double a like I, like listen for the listeners of the podcast that are the Jays fans that follow Geat fourteen, they know how big I love Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, he's a legend in Toronto. He brought all those playoff runs. He has the biggest balls, maybe besides you in baseball. I mean, the moves that this guy has made has just been absolutely absurd. The Matt Olson deal, all that type of stuff. What is Double A like? Like, what is Double A like? Because he's such an interesting guy to me.
0: He's very smart. First off, uh, he trusts the people around him that give him the information, which I think is a very smart thing. You know, he's got a very good analytics department, very good, you know, right-hand man. He's got like three or four of them, and he, they they work together. He, he listens to them. He's not, hey, it's my way or the highway. Ultimately, he makes the decision, but he understands that collectively putting ten brains together to figure out the best route is going to bring about the best route. Um, so I think that's a very smart thing. I think that, uh, you know, he knows that culture in the clubhouse is – as important, if not more important than what you're actually going to do on the field. So some people are confused by the moves he makes, but I know for a fact the first question he asks, you know, when he calls the GM is, "How is he liked by the guys? Do the guys like him? or Do they not?" And then not only to that, he'll start calling ex players to start getting like kind of info, like, "Hey, how is this guy, you know, in the clubhouse?" Um, you know, so I think that's where you get that that close knit, tight group, that loving culture, that in the clubhouse and you get winners out of that um i'm sure that's what he was doing up in toronto and that's what he's been doing here in, in atlanta i just
1: fucking love him he's a I, he's a fantastic at his job he is fucking awesome i mean those deals he has on those guys and by the way shout out to our friend spencer's are er, for strider for signing for just locking himself in for a couple little milli there <clears throat> how, how absurd is that like explain that to us like how massive that is to have a GM kind of take a chance on you only after like one year of success. Because who knows how these dudes turn out? Michael Harris, obviously, massive deal. Uh obviously the Austin Riley contract and obviously Strider. Like, how massive is that for the player? Like for the comfortability knowing that you have an income or you like your GM trusts you?
0: Yeah, man, it's risk risk reward. You know, we look at it now and it's uh the player the player gets the benefit of, okay, I'm guaranteed to be here for six years. They're going to pay me this much money. It's security for the team. You can get a guy, a superstar player like Ronald Acuna for a six year, seven year deal for $80 million because you're able to get them early. So, um, you know, it's smart for the teams to do it. It's comforting for the players to do it. So I understand why the players do it. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a win-win situation. I mean, I can't, can't bet your eye that Spencer Strider's gonna be making. I think he was seventy five million dollars over the next <laughs> yeah. six years. Like that's that's pretty good money. Maybe
1: I should send him a fucking invoice for the hoodie I sent him. Now, <laughs> listen, man. I uh, I know money's tight here. I'm gonna gonna have to need that. Uh, gonna need that money for that hoodie strides. <laughs> I need that ten ninety nine, dude. And speaking of that, I mean, you got absolutely fucking paid this off season as well. So, like, how Ooh. how does this work now? Like, are you a brave next year, or like get to go through contract talks?
0: uh so i mean the team could technically uh get rid of me they could non-tender me um you know it's a lot of paperwork a lot of things that they can choose to do it it, it's if they don't want me around anymore they could say see you later i become a free agent i can possibly go sign a one two three year deal somewhere else oh there you go
1: yeah okay So, so so that so this year like that so next year you're technically if we're hypothetically speaking you're not a brave next year as of right now No, I am.
0: I am. Until they release me, which they have the right to do that. You know, I'm going to miss next year and then I'm only going to have 2024. They could technically do it. I hope they don't. I would love to be a brave and stay a brave. And I don't think that they'll do it. But, you know, if they did, that's just, you know, part of the game. It's it's that's just the evil and the crappy part is that sometimes when you get hurt, the, the team has to move on from you. And who knows where that goes, where that takes you. But um. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a brave. Hopefully, next year and the year after that. Um, but the ball is kind of in uh, AA's court, so I don't foresee him doing anything that would send me somewhere else. But yeah, I, he's uh, not a
1: scumbag like that. Like he rocks with his. No, eyes. he's yeah,
0: he's a stand up. He's a stand up dude. He he's a good good GM, and he treats his players right. And that's why the players love playing for him, and that's why he has no problem getting guys to come play for the Atlanta Braves or any team that he's GMing.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Now, I'm looking at it right now. So, yes, next year, 2023, you are signed for that year. It's 2024, you have your third arbitration, right?
0: So it's just the arbitration process. That's all it is. They can non It's called non-tendering. They can kind of just say, like, hey, we don't want to pay you. We don't want to afford you. You become a free agent. That's how kind of how Duval wow. became a free agent early.
1: Okay, you're getting fucking paid next year, though. Holy fuck, Matt! Sick. I better see you. If you're not ripping around in a lamb truck for you, or maybe Lauren get a Lauren a fucking Mercedes. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. You're getting paid next year, dude. Yeah, Lauren's gonna need a Mercedes asap. Asap. No, no, no. she's
0: she's good riding around in her Toyota, man. She doesn't need no Mercedes. (laughs) What are you talking
1: about? Don't tell her that. That's all time, dude. I love that, but you know it is. I mean. It, it, it like dude, obviously it's crazy because uh, next year you're obviously signed with the team, but are you gonna like stay around the guys? Because you you mentioned stuff about the uh the training facility and uh, land and all that type of stuff. Like I think the biggest thing is especially for mental health, and I know some hockey teams do it when guys are injured, they travel with the team just so they aren't feeling like they're alone back at their home stadium and stuff like that. Um, what are you gonna do to kind of? not to get sentimental here but like to kind of work on your mental health like are you going to be hanging out with the guys like just even shagging bp or anything like that like what are you going to do next year
0: yeah so hopefully like i'll be you know again like i'll be able to have this brace off be close to throwing or actually throwing right around spring training so it won't be out of the realm for me to be able to you know like you said shag bp hang out with the boys um and, and just be around those guys that energy you know that 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 spring training brings that energy that being in a clubhouse brings uh, it fills the tanks that, that, that you need to rehab for a whole entire year. Um, you know, and you kind of have that brotherhood that it, when, once one person's going through Tommy John or something like that, you're everybody's going through it. You know, I've felt like I was going through with Luke watching him, uh, you know, struggle some days on what he was having to get done. And you understand that, man, this is part of it. We're all here with you. We'll all probably have something similar to this at some point in our careers and, you know, I'll give you some love and give you some motivation to get it done, and uh, I want you to be better tomorrow. So absolutely, I want to be around the boys as much as possible. Um, sometimes logistically it's not possible, but as much as you can be around the guys, that's that's what everybody wants to do.
1: And I could be wrong on this. Like I said, I'm not the brightest of all time, but I'm pretty sure after post-TJ, it you're pretty much just – you have like a new fucking arm. Like you just – you, no, you don't really start over, but I think Glasnow said this also. He said his arms never felt this good before. Like, is that something you're looking forward to, like being able to pitch on like a clean slate of an arm and like kind of see the possibilities and where it could take you? Because there's a lot of instances where guys come back from TJ and they just gain like three or four miles an hour on their fastball, which is absurd. But it is cool to know that, like, that's a possibility for you to have like next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've made it,
0: you know, uh, to 31, you know, on my without having to go through it. I think it's a good little halfway point in my career. Get it done. Uh, get back. Be a hundred percent. Get the shoulder healthy. Get the elbow healthy. Get the back healthy. Be be ready to go in twenty twenty four and um, just keep going up, man. That's what I plan on doing. You know, this is just like a pause in the in the career, but you know, I plan on being even better when I get back. I don't know about Velo getting up, but I, I just want to be more consistent and throw more strikes and throw as hard as I possibly can.
1: And let, uh, one other thing I want to discuss was the Roberto Clemente. Where I know you are up for that, obviously, and uh, you do a lot in the community and stuff like that. When is the voting done for that, and how can the listeners vote for you? Is there so like the voting is
0: already voting's done? already done. Yeah, it was October, the last day of season. It's so October fifth. So I think they're announcing it. I think it's like the second or third game in the World Series. Um, I haven't heard anything yet. I don't think they announce it or they don't tell the player until later on. Um, I don't even know if they tell the losers or not. Maybe they have told the winner and they're just not telling the losers. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited, man. I appreciate that. You know, we have – what surprised me more than anything is we have so many guys on our team, the the Braves, that do so much in the community. And for the team to nominate me to be, like this guy has really, you know, showed that he wanted to do something for the community means a lot because – those guys that are that I'm in there with in that clubhouse do a ton for the community. So it was just a huge honor to represent the Braves with the uh, Roberto Clemente Award. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy
1: place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. And what is uh, what's Matty, what's Matty Olson like? Because obviously he's like one of the biggest pickups you guys had, and he's from the area, if I remember correctly. So he's playing for his hometown team. What's what's it like just watching how this guy goes about his business day in and day out, and like seeing how much he actually like truly cares about playing for the Braves?
0: He's a stud, man. He really is. Like, he's a stud on the field, a stud off the field. He's just a great He's such a DM.
1: man. He's such a good-looking dude, by the way. Like, that dude probably we just, call, his, a, his
0: DMs are insane. We call him Mittens because he's got eyes that look like cats, man. You just want to <laughs> jump into them. You get, you get lost in them, right? <laughs> so, we call him Mittens. And so, every time we see him or he, like, makes a homer or, you know, makes a great play, we all start meowing at him. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, man, he's 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 a good-looking dude for sure. Um, But, yeah, he's a good dude. And here's an example of why he's such a good dude. The the guy was a good dude from the beginning of the year all the way while he was succeeding, doing great, hitting whatever he was hitting, 300 or whatever, leading the league in doubles, all this stuff. And then he hit a slump where he was literally like four for 65 or four for 70 or something like that. And the most amazing part and what you can tell by someone's character is that he did not change who he was off the field. Because he was going, because he'd gone four for sixty-five or four for seventy, he was the exact same dude in the clubhouse. Treated everybody the exact same way, showed up the field the exact same way. You know he was going through it, but he was going through it different than most people do, right? A lot of guys, he was going through it as a as a team player, less as an individual. Like, hey, we're still winning. I don't give a shit. I'm not producing. I understand I'm sliding down the order. I understand I'm taking a couple days off. Whatever it is but he was the exact same dude to his teammates and that's what you got to appreciate because everybody knows when you're going to have slumps you're going to go through bad stretches and the way he did it was a beautiful way and that just shows his character
1: so the next thing i want to talk about is is the 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 tweet that broke the internet one of the greatest tweets of all time was when that bald fuck that dummy sal castro <laughs> whatever fuck his name is what where, where do you stand on like Was he being a troll or was, do you think he was just trying to do it for clicks? Like, was he genuinely thinking that the Mets season, like the Mets were clinching the, like the NL East or like, where do you stand on that before we go into the tweet?
0: No, I think he thought, you know, we were going to make some kind of a push and we were going to get close, but I, I thought that he fully thought the Mets were going to win the NL East. And I mean, at that point, I mean, I see why he got that. I think it was ten and a half games. Is what it was we were, crazy. We were down. It was- we, were, we were way back, and we were not looking like a good team, and we looked really crappy, honestly. So, like, yeah, I mean, I would have. I'm not surprised that he said it, but you know, it's you just I don't, see don't say he, that where you can say it. Yeah, it, but you yeah. don't like you know. But he, but that's his job. His job is to get clicks. His job is to get attention. But you got. You also got to know that when you put yourself out there like that, you're going to get some shit coming back at you.
1: <laughs> it's all time like. So, we're very good friends of this podcast with Frank the Tank. So, like, Frank the Tank's been on the pod. He's electric. You guys, you obviously know Frank the Tank. Like, I mean, you, absolutely. You, you, everyone knows Frank the Tank. Do some of the Brace players, like, do you sometimes look at his videos and just see him having full blown meltdowns and be like, all right, this is kind of fucking funny. Like, this is worth it just seeing the amount of meltdowns this guy has over you guys just continuing to beat the Mets and all the t- all this stuff. Johnny we
0: looked forward to it every day. <laughs> every game we would watch our scoreboards and we'd watch oh shit the Mets are losing we're winning like oh shit we gotta get another Frank the tank video get another Frank the tank. and we would literally sit there we would sit there and refresh our feeds on his page until something came out everybody gather around we'd watch him lose his shit you know so uh, it, it we looked forward to it you know I think that he the guy does a great job of of doing what he's supposed to do he's supposed to get clicks he's supposed to get attention for the Mets and for Barstool, and I think he does a fantastic job. It's all time. Um, he's the He's the goat. Yeah, he's great at it. But, you know, us players, we definitely look forward to it. Uh, we enjoy it. I mean, it's not the driving force in what we're doing. We're trying to actually win the East. Like, we're really – we're trying to play. But uh, it, it was just the cherry on top of every time we won and they lost to gain a, gain a full game.
1: <laughs> the funniest thing is when he's like, all right, the Mets are going to go – Owen 162 next year. DeGrom's going to the Braves. Edwin Diaz is going to the Braves. And Nemo's <laughs> signing with the Dodgers. Like, he just – the over-exaggerations is what makes him so great because it's just psychopath shit. And that's awesome to hear that you guys are just, like, one of us. Like, just, like, just the common man. And it's awesome to see. Uh, what, what did Luke just say? I'm on baby duty and kids are a nightmare. Don't have one. I agree. I'm, 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 I'm out on kids. Um, I just want to make that clear. I'm 25. Obviously, like I'm really too young to be discussing it, but I'm out on kids. I'm all the way out on kids. Luke, Luke should be a poster boy for like uh, using condoms at college. Like you should be like, listen, I, I don't have an hour of a day of my life. You don't want this shit. All right. I'm a pro baseball player. I don't have an hour day of my life to do anything. This is why you wear condoms. Like, this is why, this is why you be responsible. That's what Luke should do. But I want to go into the Sal tweet because Did you, was that tweet pre-planned? Because I think you guys just had to win one game. So were you just waiting at that goddamn phone with like two or three outs to go and you're like, I'm going to body bag Castro on Twitter right now? Because it was all all time.
0: When I saw it, when I saw it, I, when he said it, when he said it, I said, we're going to win the East and I'm going to freaking tweet this guy and I'm going to fucking make it, make it known that I've been, sitting there and i mean i didn't even do anything i didn't do shit like this this year i didn't contribute i'm a a bullpen guy but i knew like the minute the boys do it because i know the guys are in this locker room i'm tweeting at this guy (laughs) and uh the comments i got back were just like oh you're gonna let some like midnight radio host be living in your dome (laughs) yes
1: you're
0: gonna have him living in your dome and i'm like although he's a midnight radio host or whatever he is he still made, like, national news. That video had, things.
1: like, two, th- 2 million views, I think. Like, something yeah, like still that. Made,
0: although he's in – yeah, although he is a, you know, midnight radio host, it was national news. I didn't go look for the guy who writes – or who makes comments at, you know, 3 in the morning in New York radio. It just – it literally – the only way I saw it was it was on national news. So, if it's a national thing, that's why I'm going to freaking respond
1: to it. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's all time. Hey, listen – Listen, I know a lot of Mets fans, and Frank the Tank is, like, blocked by him, I saw, because Frank just tweeted, this is all your fault, you dummy, like, just the funniest (laughs) shit, Frank is blocked by him, Um I know he did it for clicks. And listen, before this year, I had no idea who the dude is. Now that dude is like a household name. Like everyone knows what he looks like. Everyone knows who that dude is. Mission accomplished. Like yeah. seriously, mission accomplished. Like that's what the goal. I'm assuming. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be on a midnight radio for the rest of his life. Like obviously, he's gonna work his way up now with that. So that was genius shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't please everybody, you know. And, and he alienated one team, you know. And he can go to the. the 29 other teams and do their radio show. Instead of doing it at midnight, he'll do it at you know four PM. Five in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, five in the morning, four PM. There you
1: go. It's all dude, it's just baseball Twitter is so funny, man. And listen, I I I uh I just think it's one of the funniest things because it's such a long, like uphill like roller coaster season where you just have a shit ton of overreactions with stuff. Like the Blue Jays manager had like a 66 percent win percentage after he got hired by the Jays when they fired Montoyo, made a terrible decision in the playoffs, and now all of Blue Jays Twitter's like fire John Schneider. It's like that's just that's just not how it works. Like yeah. that's that's just not how things work around here. So it is, it is, it is all it's crazy to see, but how do you guys keep even keeled in the locker room? Like you said, you guys were obviously struggling 10 and a half games back. Was there always a sense of feeling like, listen, there's tons of season left? We're going to win this division. Like, how did you guys approach that?
0: We, we we, knew that we were a better team than we were putting out on the field. So we knew that, like, the first month and a half or whatever it was, who, what the kind of baseball we were playing was not how we play baseball. So it was kind of, like, look ourselves in the mirror, like, all right, boys, it's time to start playing better baseball. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to for sure, you know, be better than Mets or be better than the Phillies or whoever – it was just like we got to be better for ourselves, and the boys started showing up. Our starting pitching started doing great. Our hitters started crushing. Bullpen started doing well. We started playing the baseball we were supposed to be playing, um, but you know, instead of doing it for the whole season, we only did it for three fourths of the season. So, um, you know, it was just us starting to play the baseball we were supposed to be playing.
1: Yeah, and, and another thing that's awesome is, is like, you guys have these young guys you call up, like, Vaughn Grissom, who just turn into a freak of nature just without that. One guy that you've been very vocal about, like, how good he is, is Michael Harris. Like, what is what was it like for you to see this dude for the first time and just see what he was able to do?
0: Uh, I think his maturity more than anything, man. That's what, the, the thing that's most amazed me about a bunch of our young guys. You know, Bryce Elder, Ian Anderson, when he came up a year or two ago, you know, uh, Mueller um harris grissom spencer like all these guys are so mature for their age like i look back at what i when i was 23 and i was like i thought i was mature and i look at these guys and i'm like dude, these guys are like they know what they're doing they they act the right way in the clubhouse and i think that that's because they don't baby them as much down in the minor leagues they're kind of just like hey you gotta this is how we do things around here and this is how you're gonna have to do things in the big leagues so we're gonna treat you like a big leaguer in the minor leagues so you can act like a big leaguer when you get to the big leagues. And um, yeah, guys are just coming up and they're producing because of that. They're feeling comfortable. We got a bunch of good dudes in the locker room that aren't trying to bully people. You know, there's none of that crap going on. It's just like, Hey man, you come in here, you produce, you stay, if not, you're out of here, but we're going to give you every tool possible. That's going to get you to produce because we want you to produce. Cause when you do good, we do good. And when you do good, you get
1: paid. So, yeah, it is. And speaking of both the rookies and stuff like that. So Spencer Strider said on the pod that the biggest thing for him when he's like, all right, this is the major leagues, was having clean laundry always ready for him. Glasnow said the craziest one. He said the biggest thing of just being in the big leagues is the the water pressure in the locker rooms. That's like the biggest difference for him is like being able to go into a shower and just be like, this water pressure is elite. What was it for you? Like, what was the first thing you noticed when you were in the big leagues that was like, all right, I'm in the show right now. Like, this is a little bit different than where I was before.
0: The thing that, like, I'm still uncomfortable with is, like, and it's, I mean, when I first came up, it was, like, I don't know, it was, like, awkward or weird to ask, but, like, if you had, like, one sweatshirt and you wanted two sweatshirts, like, I I would be, like, afraid to say, hey, can I get another sweatshirt so I can cut the sleeves off of one kind of thing, you know, and it's just, like, you've... you forget like this is the show they probably have 500 to 700 sweatshirts in the back like they don't care about giving you <laughs> one it's not like it's not like the juco team where everybody gets one sweatshirt in their size and you make it last for the whole year don't lose it in the don't lose it in the dugout or something you know so it, the fact that we can just go hey like hey i ripped the shirt like I, dude i do that like i'll rip a shirt or rip a pants and then i'll be walking around the clubhouse like dude you have a hole in your shirt i'm like yeah it's all right and i'm like let me get you a new one dude come here and i'll like feel bad that i'm taking like an extra shirt but it's like. I forget oh, that's that they have fucking
1: a, awesome. Dude. They have so
0: awesome. many other like they have boxes of it back there, man.
1: That is. I mean, that's that makes it all worth it. Like that, that just makes it all worth it. Like that's crazy to me that it. You could literally. I know uh, one thing that actually is crazy to me. Like it's off topic, but when you guys give away shit, like I see Albert Pujols give away hoodies to like fans or T shirts or jerseys to fans and stuff like that. How does that work? Like, do you just go back into the clubhouse and tie your clubby like? Listen, man, like I, I gave the jersey away. Like how, how awkward is that interaction?
0: Uh, the jerseys you have to pay for because jerseys are kind of expensive. Yeah. We get a discounted rate at them. Uh, but, yeah, every time you hand out a jersey, it's like you're, you have to pay 250 bucks to replace them. Oh, my them. You have,
1: fuck. Fuck that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a Pugles. That's nothing, you know. Like, yeah. 250 bucks. If he's handing out, you know, 500 of them, it's still nothing to him. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they just they keep two of every single jersey. You hand one out you're using the other one until they can get the second one back and then you can hand out that one again or whatever, but they got a bunch of them. dude.
1: Have you gotten any jerseys from guys you've played against? Like I know a lot of people have gotten some from like Pujols post game and uh, like, I don't know, like Yachty and all that type of stuff. Like, is there one player maybe even next year? Cause I know Miguel Cabrera's, I think that next year might be his last year. Uh, Has there been a a situation where you've done that? Gotten a jersey off someone after a game?
0: I've never been a huge collector of, Uh, like jerseys or anything like that. I got a signed ball from um, a kid I played with in indie ball that made it up to the big leagues. i got a signed signed ball from him. So that was a really cool thing. Um, But yeah, I've never been huge in collecting jerseys, man. I like to just go up and like talk to the person, say I've met that person, use that interaction as like, you know, that's my special moment. I don't care to share it with anybody else. That's a special moment I shared with the hall of famer of whoever it is. So, Who's one guy you not talked a big to? memorabilia?
1: Who's one guy you've talked to where you've been kind of like starstruck with? Like doesn't have to even be a baseball player. Like maybe someone that came to a Braves game that came into the locker room or something like that.
0: Uh, one of the big ones we had actually. You know what? We had this was one. We had Wayne Gretzky come into the locker room. The great. What? One. Yeah, that was sweet. And actually, you know what? I lied because I was, t- I was saying I don't really collect autographs. I uh, I did get an autograph puff by him.
1: Holy he was handing them out shit. and I was like
0: absolutely I'll take one so yeah he came in he came in to watch a game and um I was able to get a puck from him and uh, I mean I didn't even he just like here you just start signing pucks and started handing them out and I was like I'll take this for sure I didn't ask <laughs> him for it but I mean if Wayne Grisky's gonna give you a puck sign I'm, I'm taking that's it, absurd it. that yeah, is so.
1: that is crazy
0: yeah so that was pretty that was pretty cool
1: it is crazy to me that like, Wayne Gretzky, you know what's also baller shit about Wayne Gretzky? As I was listening to a podcast the other day. He, after every single text, ends it with 99, his number. He just will send a text message to his boys and just be like 99 at the end of it. Like, just the signature call, like what old people do in the end of messages, he just puts 99. It's like the most baller thing of all time. Was Hell he an, yeah. like did, Was he an alpha in that locker room? Or were people, like, all going up and talking to him? Uh, he just came through really quick. It was like 10 minutes before,
0: 15 minutes before the game. So some of the players were out on the field. He just kind of popped in. I think the ownership was, was there with him or something. He just popped in, wanted to peek his head in there. Um, some of the clubbies like knew he was coming, had some hockey puck, and He just handed it out to a couple guys. So he wasn't in there strutting his stuff off. But, uh, I mean, the guy spent plenty of time in the locker rooms being an alpha. I'm sure he would have been an alpha at our oh, clubhouse if everybody was in there. He- He's absolutely
1: dude he, he's the greatest um, I've, i the won't. great
0: yeah he, the great one you don't get a name like that for nothing
1: yeah like, and on. he's he's he was a big baseball guy too actually i don't know like funny story about that is i so when i was on 18u we used to face um every single year we would go to arizona for our fall trip or something like that when i was 18u and we used to face like the cubs minor league team which now looking back on it it's fucking crazy that like 18 year olds would just go into like the cubs facility and just face a minor league team and Wayne Gretzky's son was on the team. Like, Wayne Gretzky's a massive baseball guy. Like, he played baseball growing up and all that type of stuff. Because he's, like, from 20 minutes from here. So, he's a massive baseball guy. But that is awesome that you got to meet him. But the last thing that I want to talk about, obviously, while we end this is, looking at these playoffs right now, you got to experience it last year. You got to go to the World Series, stuff like that. Who's one team that you would say – I'm not asking to give a prediction. But you would say – has, like, the best chance of, like, just, like, the most well-rounded team that, like, has the best chance of winning the World Series in both divisions? And I hope it's not the Yankees.
0: No, I think I'm going to go with – I'll get a little bit. I don't think it'll be the Yankees. Um, I think Astros have a very good chance. I say that because the reason why is that they've had the experience of going so many times that eventually it's going to click and everything's going to work out for them. They have experience. They have. they know how to play in big situations. They've had a relatively easy road so far. Uh, or not easy, but dominant road so far. Yeah. So they've had some rest days, but they've also been playing in big games. They aren't grinding out. Their guys aren't hurting. They're not tired. So they're I'm thinking sitting number one. I'm thinking Phillies are sitting number two. Uh San Diego sitting number three. And then Yankees are sitting at number four. I love that. I That's think they, music to the ears. Yankees the Yankees schedule is how they've been working in those rain days and no off days and all this stuff, I think is going to catch up to them eventually. Um, and their big horses are going to start, start wearing down a little bit.
1: Yeah, that is, I, I mean, don't it...
0: want, I don't want the Phillies to win because <laughs> I'm going to feel bad for the boys having to show up in Philly every single time, oh. listening to those obnoxious Philly fans.
1: That's going to but, be bad. Uh, not that's not going, going to
0: be bad. So I'm
1: rooting a little bit
0: for, uh, for the Phillies not to win, but I'm also rooting for them to win to show that like, yeah, the NL East is actually a, a yeah, pretty a dominant wagon. force. It's a it's, wagon. yeah. So it's a, it's a win-win. It's a lose-lose, you know, either way, but whatever. Yeah. Just and good this, baseball.
1: This is the last thing I actually want to talk about. Cause obviously this broke the news. Like it was crazy. And is obviously a guy that I'm kind of close with was the Joe Musgrove incident with the Mets and, the, and like the feeling of the ear and stuff like that. Where did you stand on that? Like, did you obviously understand the move and the situation? Obviously he was dominating them and, all that type of stuff. And obviously clearly he didn't have anything on his, on his ears, but where do you stand with that type of stuff? Like, what did you think of the Mets challenging that or making them look at that? And then Mets fans continuing to think that he was cheating.
0: Yeah, that's fine. They can do whatever they want. I mean, I have no problem with the manager going ahead and, and going out to the player and saying like, or the, the umpire and saying, I think he's doing this. It has to be a specific thing. I think he's doing this to this, to this to cheat or whatever it is. He's touching his ears and then touching the ball or whatever it is. No problem. If it's unsuccessful, they should lose their challenge, their video replay challenge. That's what I think. That way they can't just sit there every single inning and start going, you check them for this, check them for that, check them for this, check them for that. There's got to be some kind of repercussion if it's an unsuccessful challenge, the same way there's a, you, you lose your challenge when you don't have a successful video replay challenge. That's what I think. I mean, it, it just, it protects the player, the pitcher from just the other team, just going out there and saying uh, the, his bottom of his left shoe needs to come off for this inning. He needs to get checked and then the umpire got to go out there and tell him, "Bud, we got to check your bottom of your left shoe, you know, and then oh, next inning, take your belt off, spin around three times, yeah. clap your hands. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't just make people do random things out on the field just because you want to mess with their timing mess. That that's is exactly what he was doing. That's exactly what he was doing. He's going out there trying to mess with them and, and, you know, it, it's going to go one of two ways and. You know, Musgrove obviously had to go the right way. He said, "Screw these guys! I'm not even doing anything. I'm going to get even nastier. Watch this shit."
1: So he handled
0: good. it great. But, but what if he hadn't? You know, what if it had gone where he was just cruising for five or six, whatever. The inning it came out, they was they you know, they came out and did that, and then he just fell apart and they lost the game because of that. You know, that would be pretty unfortunate that a manager going out there and messing with like a, a dude's rhythm is is what costs a team a whole 26 man roster, a team. The chance at the World Series. He's a soon. baller.
1: I, I really hope Musgrove gets the World Series, man. I mean, him being from San Diego and rooting for the Padres since he was a kid, like there's pictures of him as a kid going to games, stuff like that. It's just, I really hope he wins the World Series. Obviously, it's a, uh, it's a tough road because the Astros are absolutely fucking insane. I don't know if you saw Verlander yesterday. I mean, the, the Yankees had 20. What is it? 27 outs. 15 of those outs were strikeouts. Like that is just not common. That's like the highest rate for a big league like in the playoffs ever. So that Astros team is special. So you got to see it firsthand. So I'm excited. I think the Astros,
0: I think the Astros only struck out twice Twice. in the game too. I think it it was like the the biggest gap ever in a playoff game or something between the two teams' strikeout numbers, which just goes to show you like they know how to play playoff baseball. Playoff baseball, you don't strike out. Regular season baseball, doesn't matter if you strike out or not. Playoff baseball, you got to start putting the ball in play and force the other team to do some things under pressure.
1: When the Jays lost, did you think of me a little bit? Like, cause you knew I was there. I mean I made that very evident that I was there. I had a lot of text messages from friends of the podcast saying, like, dude, what the fuck just happened? 8-1 lead. I was getting body bag. Like, I didn't sleep that night. Did a little part of you where you just like, all right, Johnny's gonna, Johnny might be dead here. Like well, Johnny. I didn't might didn't want
0: a... I had some tweets fired up too, because I was about to write, like, hey. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes report in on the Toronto Blue Jays movie gets zero percent. <laughs> I was thinking about putting that out, but I didn't want to put you in a body bag. I, I, knew that I was, broke your Listen,
1: man, I was catching strays. There was a video of me, um, on the internet, like I posted it on the Gate 14 TikTok of like the final out. The camera just pants to me, and I'm just melting in my chair. But the worst part of that is, listen, there was like tons like we did a meet and greet before the game, like a lot of people showed up. And one thing, one of the listeners of the podcast, before the final out, I didn't move from my chair when the Jays were the 8-1 lead. I just sat and just, like, looked depressed. One listener, just random listener, came up through the stairs and took a selfie with me melting in my chair, which has added so much salt to the wound. There's pictures of me out there just depressed. It was oh. – I, 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 I still haven't watched the highlights of that game. Like that's something that is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. And I, I hope it gets better next year. We'll see what happens, but that's playoff baseball, man. You never fucking know. You got to see it next year. You probably you, actually Dodgers fans probably hate you because you put, actually put them through what I had to go through. So. Oh okay. yeah. Cool. The,
0: the minute, I mean, it's kind of messed up. Like every, I feel like 90% of my followers are either bitter Mets fans or bitter Dodgers fans, because like, I posted that, like, I got hurt thing, and then I just got a bunch of tweets that saying, like, you know, you deserve to be hurt, and I'll look at these people, and I'm like, this guy, who the heck is this guy? It's, like, some Dodgers fan. or something like that. I'm like, you guys really care that much. Like, <laughs> turn the page, bro. You guys lost, and I didn't even play you guys. Like, and you just got
1: dog-walked this year. And yeah, this get year. out of here. That's
0: what I mean. Like, what? Are you going to go start yelling at Padres fans or Padres players because they beat you? Like, I don't know, man. I appreciate fans, like, being interested in the game, but they got to also understand, like, Dude, it's it's all in good fun. It's not that serious, you know. If it's not that serious to us players that like, hey, we wanna go out there and win, we wanna do our thing. Yeah. But it's not life and death like you fans think it is. You know what I mean? You know, we appreciate the love and the and the the energy they bring to the field and, and to the stadium, but Some of the things they say, man, you're just like, gosh, that kind of hurt, man. That stings.
1: It's crazy. Like, I had to deal with it, actually, when Strider came on the pod. Like, Strider's last tweet was this podcast. Like, he retweeted it. Shout out to him for that, by the way, because that just skyrocketed the downloads. He retweeted (laughs) it. And, like, after he said that comment about the Mets getting lucky, the entire officially unofficial pod mentions were just Mets fans responding to the tweet of the podcast saying, like, you soft-ass baby bitch, like, all this to me. And I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Like, I just interviewed (laughs) this guy. Like, I was just catching strays from Mets fans. They're the dumbest fucking humans of all time. It's crazy how absurd some of these fan bases are. And I deal with it like – I have four four fan bases that hate me. The Yankees are the worst because, obviously, the Jays podcast I do, and I called the Bleacher Creatures fucking losers on TikTok, and that went viral. So I got a lot of hate (laughs) from that. The Mets fans and Dodgers fans, and there's, I think, maybe a little bit of fucking – a little bit of uh, Red Sox fans, but those, like, it's just, they're terrible. They really are online. They're horrible.
0: Yeah. Uh, they just, I just, I just wonder what those people are doing with their lives, like on a day to day basis. I truly I really like, do. It. Really? I wanna... Like, you're going to seriously write in someone's comment that, like, it just, it took so much energy. you got to be so angry to actually write it out and hit send. Like,
1: it's true. And I, I I'm know. under, I, I'm actually under the impression that I want to make a law that if you have a social media page, you have to give your government name on that page. Like you have to do your government name. And so like, so people are like, all right, if you want this, you have to have your name behind this comment, you know? So people can actually see who's saying that shit. Cause there's all the comments that are like telling me to die and shit on TikTok. It's all like just Jimmy Bob 64 or Yankee fan 82, like just coming at me and they have no repercussions. None. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care. Again, like you you don't, you you just who cares what these people think? You know, I don't. I mean, the people want to write that stuff that makes them feel better, whatever. It really doesn't matter. You know, yeah. Uh, Some people just need to learn how to take a joke a little bit better. I think is what it is. That's what it is. Like it's it's all in good fun. It's all in good entertainment. Take the joke, laugh at it, throw a little uh, little shade back if you want, but the the death threats and like i'm glad you're injured threats kind of thing and you're like god damn like that's harsh but okay sounds good man i'll see you good luck next year for your team you're not even on okay good luck (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) well well, anyways man i appreciate you hopping on this dude the people are gonna love this and i will say this that frank the tank uh clip of like you guys watching it, i'm gonna post that and tag frank and he's just gonna it's gonna like add to his misery so it's gonna be even funnier um I do appreciate you coming on this, man. The people are gonna love this, dude, and obviously best of luck. Happy belated birthday! I know. I think I, I think I wish you over text anyways, but happy belated birthday, man. I'm um, excited to see what you do next year, and uh, obviously I'm gonna be a part of the recovery journey with you. We'll be running COD, getting through it. That's what uh, a lot of the guys that go through uh, Tommy John do. They just play COD nonstop. So we'll be run, we'll be firing it up, and uh, best of luck, man. I really do appreciate you hopping on this and everything you've done for me.
0: Hell yeah, man! I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the doc said that. A little bit of cod a little bit of playing with the controller is actually good for the hand it gets the form working so uh that's that's part of it's part of the rehab protocol so we'll definitely be uh, grinding on the cod
1: that's all time thank you for listening to officially unofficial make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on itunes and follow us on twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on instagram at officially unofficial pod thank you